Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Uh, man, I just I appreciate I appreciate our staff. We got such great staff, and and again, not just the pastor been here twenty three years. We have some longevity. Uh, pastor John's getting he'll be soon celebrating twenty years of Matt, and then Pastor James down at North Chatsun, and uh, Levi at Full Throttle, and Pastor Matthew. And, and we're blessed, I'm telling you. You know, I, I, don't, I don't come here thinking that somehow or another that what's happening here is something that's been all me. I certainly understand that there are so many uh, people behind the success and the advancement of Heartland. And you're part of that. We thank you for that, for cards and uh, gifts that you may give. Thank you, thank you, thank you so, so very much. I'm looking forward to... Uh, to what the Lord has in the future. How about you? I, I don't think he's I don't think he's done yet. Come on. You believe that? He hasn't, he's not done yet. <clears throat> and uh, the, it kind of goes this morning. If you got your Bibles, I want you to open to Acts chapter one. If you got a worship guide there, hopefully you receive one of these. If you don't have one of these, hold up your hand and, and an usher or a greeter, somebody will get one of these to you where you can take some notes. But we end this uh here in this series of questions that that Jesus was asked, he asked, he was asked over 300 questions. There's only about eight or ten questions that he was asked that he actually answered. Last week we talked about the fact that the disciples come to Jesus wanting to know that when when all the signs was going to be taking place and what's going to be the sign of the end and when are you coming? And Jesus na- navigated. That, that question last week as we talked a little bit about uh, simply what's happening, that, that we're in the stage setting process right now and things are moving. And this morning, I want to go to Acts chapter 1, and after Jesus was crucified, he was buried, he'd come up out of the grave. And the Bible says for 40 days, everybody say 40 days. I'm going to say 40 days. For 40 days, Jesus shows himself alive. The Bible describes it. He showed himself alive with many infallible proofs. In other words, to demonstrate that there wasn't just a spirit that was resurrected, there was a body that was resurrected. He had a glorified body. And in, in during that 40-day period before he ascended to heaven, the Bible talks about that Jesus would have conversations with his friends, with his disciples. He would eat with them. Come on. Let you know there's going to be food in heaven. Come on. Dessert's probably going to be banana pudding. going to be ice cream. It's going to be apple pie. It's going to be all of the above. Come on. Right there. And uh, he spent those time showing himself alive. And the disciples comes to him during this 40-day period, and they asked Jesus a question. In the verse 6 of Acts chapter 1, they asked this question, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, now he answers the, the question by rejecting, not the question. He doesn't, he doesn't say that's a bad question. He answers the question by rejecting their right our right to know when the Father's timing is. He said, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, okay? So they asked a good question. It wasn't, wasn't a foolish question. Matter of fact, the question that the disciples posed to Jesus, it indicated that, that they wanted to know, that they're seeing some things happening, they know Old Testament prophecy is being fulfilled about the Messiah. Isaiah wrote about him being bruised and beaten and, and, and dying and resurrection. To pro- so, so they know things are happening. So, so they want to know, hey, Jesus, is this the end? Come on. It's like many people today. 
they, they see the Middle East, they see the wars, they, they see the famines, they see the pestilence, they, they see everything lining up, and everybody is asking the same question. Is, is this the end? Is, is everything about the climax? Is the consummation of all things about to happen? So, so Jesus responds to them but by simply not criticizing their, their restoration theology, but, but he, he, he comes back to them. He said, listen, what, what I want you to understand, you're, you're right about an ingathering. You're, you're right about a consummation of everything that's going to happen. But what, what you're wrong about is the timing. It's not going to be happening today. It's not going to happen within a few weeks, a few months, or, or even the few years, maybe. Because Jesus has been gone 2,000, over 2,000 years ago. That, that, he, that he ascended, and we're still waiting for things to take place. So, so Jesus said, listen, I want you to understand God deliberately. Everybody say deliberately. God deliberately keeps us in the dark when it comes to times and seasons. It's just like nobody in this room wanted to, wants to know the day you're going to die. God has that number. You do understand that. That number is already recorded. He knows, but none of us want to get up every day thinking, well, today's the day. I mean, this is it. So, so the same thing when it comes to the end time and, and when it comes to the things happening. So, so instead of us being concerned about when this stuff is going to be happening, Jesus wants to change the focus to what are we supposed to be doing? You follow me? It's not so much, don't spend all your time and energy right now trying to study biblical prophecy to figure out when he's going to come back. Don't spend all your time and energy buying every book that gives some type of prediction about science. Listen, what we need to focus on is what Jesus is going to tell the disciples. It's not for you to know the times of the season that the Father is six, but in Acts 1 and 8... You're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit is he come, up, come upon you, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now watch this. Listen. The idea is, yes, there's a kingdom coming. Yes, the consummation is going to happen. Yes, there's going to be an end. But what I want you to focus, get your mind off of when and focus on what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. That's the best way to be living our lives right now. If you stay tuned to the news and the prophecies and the books, if you stay wrapped up in all of the wind stuff, you won't have the peace and the power of God that he wants you to have in your life to do what he wants you to be doing. Jesus said, listen, there is going to be a kingdom, but right now, I want you to understand, the Holy Spirit's coming, power is going to be coming, there's going to be a great gathering, there's going to be a consummation, but listen, the, the timing isn't for you to know. What I want you to understand is that in the end time, you're going to be involved in the process. While we're waiting for Jesus to come, we're not sitting on our blessed assurance doing nothing. While we're waiting for everything to wrap up in this broken world, we're not sitting in fear and turmoil. What we're doing is we're focusing on the fact that we have been called to be missionary-minded and to be a mission church taking the gospel to the all of the kingdom of this world. So what does that mean? How do we break it down for us when it comes to our own life? I want you to, I want you to look at Luke's gospel. Luke wrote, Dr. Luke, he was a physician. He writes the book of Luke, and he also writes the book of Acts. And the ending of Luke, chapter 24, and the beginning of the book of Acts, Acts 1 and 2, forward, it overlaps during that 40-day period. So there's a 40-day overlap between the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. And I don't think it's an accident that Dr. Luke tells Theopolis the same thing twice in Luke's Gospel, and then he tells it again in the book of Acts. I don't think it's coincidental. Listen, because 
Dr. Luke understood this is an important transitional period that we're going to be in. And we've been in this period for over 2,000 years. But what Luke wants us to understand, what Jesus wanted us to understand, that during this transitional period between Jesus being physically upon the earth and then Jesus leaving the earth, going to the Father, sitting down at the Father's right hand, the Holy Spirit coming. So now we have Jesus' physical body away from this earth, but now he sends the Holy Spirit that's going to be present and be powerful in the hearts and in the lives of every individual that would open themselves up to him. So while, listen, you remember, remember in John chapter 14 when Jesus is trying to get his disciples to this part. He's trying to lead them to this point in Luke's gospel and Max. But in John chapter 14, Jesus said, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I'm going, and if I go, I'm going to come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you're going to be there also. And listen, but it ain't time for you to come home yet. He said, I'm, my Father is going to send a comforter to you. The Holy Spirit is going to come. Now listen, this is good news because the disciples were always accustomed to Jesus being around when they needed him. He was always present when they run into demon possessions or they had sickness or they had death that they couldn't deal with. They could go to Jesus. But Jesus is about to leave. And Jesus will no longer be physically present that they could see him the way they saw him for three and a half years. But Jesus said, guys, don't let your heart be troubled. The Father is going to send you another comforter. You understand this? So now Jesus was limited in his physical body when he was upon this earth. He limited himself when he was human. He was all God and all man, but in his humanity, he was limited. He could only be in Jerusalem. He could only be in Jericho. He could, but listen, when the Holy Spirit come, when the Holy Spirit fell, when the Holy Spirit begins to move in the life of a believer, I don't care if you're in Valparaiso. I don't care if you're in Wadato. I don't care if you're in North Judson. I don't care if you're in Hebron. I don't care if you're in Chicago. I don't care where you at. You and I can have and experience the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have to be focused on right now. You and I have been left in this world to make a difference. Now, in Acts chapter 1, in Luke chapter 24, let me, let me just read Luke 24 and, and look at the quick comparison. Luke 24, 47, Jesus said, and, and that repentance or forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. From beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things, and I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you get our clothed with power from on high. Now watch this. In both of these passages, he's going to talk about all nations. He's going to talk about beginning at Jerusalem. He's going to talk about witnessing of these things. He's going to mention the promise of the Father being sent to us. He's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. He's going to talk about staying in the city till you get close. Listen, in, in, in Luke's gospel and in Acts, Luke, Dr. Luke is deliberately repeating these four phrases. Write them down. Power, Holy Spirit, witness, and mission to all nations. Deliberately, he's saying, this is what your focus needs to be upon. And, and as Luke talks about it in Luke's gospel, and then in, he talks about it in the, in the Acts of the Apostle, the very next thing that takes place in Acts chapter 1, the Bible said Jesus was lifted up in the clouds, and the clouds took him out of the sun. And, and they're standing there gazing, looking up into heaven. Luke says, while he was blessing them, he left them, and he was taken up into heaven. And the angels come and say, guys, what, what, are you, what are you doing looking at? You know, I can imagine the angels looking at the disciples and looking at each other and said, look at them. Bless their little hearts. If it rains, they're all going to drown. They're just, look, what, what, are you, what are you looking at? Hey, this same Jesus that went away, he's going to come again. You follow me? But while we're waiting for that to happen, it isn't just about sitting down and doing nothing. It's about understanding that he talked about power, 
Holy Spirit, witness, and mission to all nations. It's, it's going to be a period of time, and it has been since Jesus left. It's been a time of mission to the ends of the earth. It's a time of testimony. It's a time of the Holy Spirit. It's a time of power. Listen, those four elements characterize the period of which, while Jesus is physically gone, and yet he's present by the power of the Holy Spirit in this world. We're not left in this broken world by ourselves to kind of try to halfway get through this world so we can make it. No. Listen, Jesus didn't say, okay, guys, good luck. You know, I'm, I'm not going to put my kingdom together yet. I'm going to be back. But while I'm gone, just good luck. Hope you can hold on. No. He said, guys, while I'm gone, I want you to understand the promise of my Father. He's going to come. Listen, and, and there's two phrases. He talks about being clothed with power. Clothed with power. Everybody say, clothed with power. And, and the power that he talks about is an extraordinary power. So, so clothed in the power, clothed in the spirit. Listen, in the Old Testament, there, there's incidents, and I don't have time to go there. In the life of Gideon and the life of Zechariah, many times, Samson, it talked about the spirit of God coming upon them, taking possession of them. It, it was an act of, of, uh, of, of something happening in the life of an individual that there would be a physical demonstration of the Spirit of God. What, what happened to Samson? When the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, he, he was standing there between the two pillars of the temple. And listen, he blind as he was, he pulled those walls, and the walls fell down, and he killed more Philistines in his death than he did all of the time he was living extraordinary power and work of the Holy Spirit. You start reading in the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God comes and they receive the power, we hear things like strong wind. We, we read a mighty sound. We hear a fire. We read a miraculous languages, prophecy, exuberant praise. 3,000 converts on the day of Pentecost happens. That doesn't happen just through ordinary preaching and altar call. You understand that? And Peter, by all persons, is the guy, the guy that left Jesus and denied Jesus three times, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and stands on the day of Pentecost and preaches. This was that was spoken by the prophet Joel that he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters are going to prophesy. Oh, man, a dream, dream. Young man is going to have vision. He said, I'm going to pour my spirit. And all of a sudden, 3,000 people. Listen, it is a power and the work of the Holy Spirit that is happening. Now, what's this? Here, here's our problem in our culture today. When it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, majority of churches today, majority, majority of, of Christ followers, Christians, will many times be great advocates of the Holy Spirit. They will advocate of the fact that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, and, uh, you know, he, he worked in the Old Testament and he did a little bit in the book of Acts. We're not sure if he's still available today. But, but listen, they're, they're great advocates of the Holy Spirit, but they're not witnesses. Now, just stay with me. I, matter of fact, I put, this I put this definition. This is Webster's definition. A witness will testify on the basis of personal knowledge and experience. While an advocate... <laughs> They explain and make, make comments on evidence given to them by others. Now just think for just a second. Are you an advocate of the Holy Spirit? Are you a witness of the Holy Spirit? Listen, advocates will, will listen, advocates can marshal up great arguments. They, they, they can they can persuade people by, by using convictions and, uh, and means of logic that they've heard about or read about. And they try to persuade others to, to, to accept or to believe in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit simply by saying, well, I read something. You follow me? But a witness 
Can I get a witness? <laughs> Listen, a witness is somebody that has been powerfully touched. They have been deeply moved. They, they, they understand that Jesus has swept away their sins. And they understand that there's absolutely no sense of doubt in them. That the power that they have in them is greater than that that is in the world. And listen, a witness. They don't speak about something that they heard about. They speak about someone which they have experienced. I know that I know that I know that I know. Listen, Jesus did not say, hey, guys, go to Jerusalem and wait. Now, he lived 40 days he was with them. Ten days they was in the upper room waiting for the day of Pentecost to arrive. It's an Old Testament thing. Pentecost means 50. So on the 50th day, Pentecost, he said, wait. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to leave Jerusalem and you're going to be great advocates for me. Did he say that? He didn't say, well, guys, you know what? I want you to leave Jerusalem, and I want you to go out as a great advocate and just go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and matter of fact, just go to the uttermost parts of the earth and just, just be an advocate. Just, just tell people what you've read or maybe what you've heard and see how that works out for you. Can I tell you, can, can, I, can I just be honest with you? There's too many in the church today that we've settled for Agab to be an advocate rather than to say, God, I want to be a witness. That makes sense? Listen, I haven't spent 52 years doing what I do in the ministry in the last 23 years that we've invested our time and our talent, our temple and our, te our treasure and our testimony here in, in, in Northwest Indiana. I haven't did that just so that I could be a great advocate for the Holy Spirit. I have a desire to be a witness. And the reason why we know that what happened on the day of Pentecost wasn't that they just brought and filled that 120 people so they would be great advocates. They didn't go out of there just talking about something that they read or they heard. Listen, when you start reading the book of Acts, there's a quality of life. There, there, there begins to be a depth of conviction that there is an absolutely uh, assurance that they have in their belief in Jesus Christ that they're willing to lay down their life. Peter said, we don't know anything but Jesus Christ. Whatever you want to do, we're going to keep speaking. To Listen, they had a height of joy that nobody could understand. You understand when Paul and Silas was in the jail and they were being, they got beat and at midnight the Bible said they worship and they sing praise. It wasn't because they was great advocates that there was an earthquake. They had an exuberant joy. They had a height of worship and praise that when they started worshiping that night in the jailhouse, the house began to shake and all of a sudden all the prison doors was open and they got set free. That doesn't happen when you settle to be an advocate. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. <laughs> we need witnesses today. Jesus said, don't worry about when stuff is going to happen. Start focusing upon what are you supposed to be doing while you're waiting for my return. Now listen. The last thing we want to do at this church, and I've, we, we, over the 23 years that I've been here, we, we, have, we have tremendously tried to lead people because we have had so many people that come out of churches because of no information or the wrong information or limited about information about the Holy Spirit. Many, many times we, we want to step away and say, well, I'm just, I'm just not sure, Pastor. I, I mean, I grew up in a church when they said the Holy Spirit is not for us today. And I understand that. I understand that. But do you honestly think that what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to go and experience for themselves and begin to, 
take that as a mission to all the world, do you honestly think he was just trying to get them to be real, good, nice boys and girls? <laughs> okay? I want you to go to Jerusalem, and when you leave there, you're going to be nice boys and girls. <laughs> you're going to be nice men and women. And you're going to go to church, and you're going to be nice. And, and you're, going to, you're going to learn how to win friends and be popular. And you're going to, no, listen, Jesus said, I want you to go, and I want you to experience the presence and the power, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come. And when he comes upon your life, you're going to start witnessing. You're not just going to be an advocate. You're going to witness, and as you witness, the power of God is going to show up in your life. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I need to be a witness. Come on, tell them. I need to be a witness. Now, what's this? The question that I get more often than anything else is this very simple question. Is the promise of the Holy Spirit for us or is it not? Well, Pastor Phil, I just want to know. Is this clothing of power, this, 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 this extraordinary power, that Luke talked about and Acts talked about and all through the Acts of the Apostles. Matter of fact, you could rightly say the book of Acts is the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what the book of Acts is about. John, Dr. Luke wrote the book of Acts and, and he, 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 he demonstrated, he, he notated what was happening in the early church as the Spirit of God came upon them. And listen, I'm telling you, you, when you read the Scriptures, when you study for yourself, that there is no reason, there is no Scripture basis for you and I to believe that the promise that fell on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came like Jesus promised, that there is no reason to believe that that promise has been taken away from us. There's, well, I thought I'd get an amen at least. On, let me try this side. Let me try. There is no reason to believe that promise has been taken away from us. There's no reason to believe that somehow or another that promise of the Holy Spirit was, was, would be limited to just the time frame of the apostles. When the last apostle dies, man, the Holy Spirit. No, listen. The promise is for you and your children, and as many as it's far off, Peter said in Joel, listen, I could argue Joel chapter 2. I, I could say, listen, Joel prophesied it, Peter emphasized I could argue Ephesians 3. I could argue Acts 2 and 17. But all I'm trying to get you to simply say, listen, the Holy Spirit is for us today. And you cannot look at this broken world we're in right now. And you cannot live and navigate in our culture that we're trying to navigate in right now while we're waiting for Jesus to come and understand that we can be effective witnesses for, the, for, for Jesus Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit. I submit to you, you can't be the parent you need to be without the power of the Holy Spirit working and operating in your life. Some of you parents, need, you need the gift of the discernment just to be able to discern when your knuckleheads are telling you the truth or not. Hello, good preaching right there. So, some, listen, some of you need discernment to know right now when the relationship that you've got going on in your life, are they taking you up? Are they moving you closer to God? Or are they taking you away from God? You need discernment. And the Holy Spirit is, the way, is how that, that discernment operates in our lives. The Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, said it's love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and meekness and, and, and self-control. Listen, we, listen, you don't need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. You need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Come on. Jesus is what gets you to heaven. Listen, listen. We're not adding anything to our salvation. Jesus is the one that gets you to heaven. Jesus is the one that paid the price for our sin. I don't need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven. I need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Or get in a roundabout. I need the Holy Spirit. Or pastor of church. I need the Holy Spirit. To be the husband that I need to be, I need the Holy Spirit. And what you and I have to settle on the fact that we believe what Jesus said. 
to the disciples, Lord, are you going to restore your kingdom at this time? Listen, it's not for you to know times and seasons. Stop trying to figure everything out. We've got, a, we've got a, a group studying the book of Revelations. It's awesome. Study the book. Do it. But listen, don't forget what he says in the very first chapter. Blessed is the person who reads this book. The book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ, the great King of kings, the Lord of lords. It's not just about the Antichrist and all the plagues. We need the Holy Spirit today to navigate in this broken world. People don't have hope. People don't know where to turn. There's bondages today that are stronger than ever before. Demons and devils of hell has been a, 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 a released in, in this earth today. We understand that. There's strongholds. We're having the battle today that, that wasn't here 50 years ago. But listen, can I tell you the Holy Spirit and the power of God is greater than any stronghold and we can stand and we can confess and we can believe that God can break every stronghold. So Jesus said, don't worry about the times and seasons. It's not for you to know. And if, if the disciples didn't know, if Jesus himself didn't know, deliberately he, the, he withheld that information. If they didn't know, stop thinking you ought to know. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. So let me, let me give you these last seven things. Let's try to wrap this thing up. Look at your neighbor and said, I need to be a witness. Just, 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 just stay with me just a second. Just, Holy Spirit, we don't need advocates. God, we need witnesses today. I need to be a witness. I don't need to just preach about the Holy Spirit. I don't need to just talk about the Holy Spirit. I need to be a witness of his power and his presence in my life. So how do we do that? Listen, write this down. The first thing we do, we just acknowledge that the gift of the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge the, the Holy Spirit is a gift. Acknowledge the gift. Everybody say the gift. He said in Acts 2 and 38, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus, as well as, as Joel talked about, that the Holy Spirit comes, he would be a gift for us. It would be a promise to us. You and I, listen, God's already given us the Holy Spirit. We don't have to beg him for it. Some of you give you have put some cards in these bags back here. Those are gifts. Listen, when I when I go when I get ready to leave, I go to grab that bag. I ain't gonna look at that bag and say, Well, I just I just feel so unworthy to Oh, I know there's gifts in there for me, but I just feel like, Sister Rhonda, you're probably more humble than I, would you? No, you know what I'm gonna do? Get out of here. Those are my gifts. We'll get those cards home, and sometime to today, we'll, when everything kind of settles down, and we'll we'll pass them out. We'll deliver them, and and you know, we, as the older you get, when you get a card, first thing you do is hold it up and shake it. See, <laughs> no, I'm just. Kidding. But we sit there and we go through the cards and we read the cards. I think what a gift, what a gift it is. But listen, the way you receive a gift is what? Is there any other gift? You just receive it. True. Come on. Everybody say, I acknowledge the Holy Spirit is a gift. I acknowledge he's a gift. Secondly, be ready to receive the Holy Spirit. He doesn't show favoritism. Acts 11 and 17, if therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when, when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand them? This, this is Peter talking about the Gentiles receiving the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, the, the only thing necessary is that, listen, when you and I have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, once we've confessed that Jesus Christ is our Savior, listen, God desires to give us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives us that gift. We just acknowledge it, and we just receive that gift. Listen, Jesus puts an urgency on receiving the Holy Spirit. Told his disciples, listen, guys, don't even, don't leave Jerusalem. I want you to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to almost parts of the earth. But don't think about leaving Jerusalem until you are baptized, you are filled, you are clothed with the Holy Spirit. Listen, that was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. This is not a pick-and-choose diet here that I can say, well, you know, Pastor Phil, I love Jesus, but I'm just not quite sure about this, this Holy Spirit thing. 
listen, what we work hard at this church that we don't we don't want to develop experienced junkies. I don't want I don't want you to feel like that you have to come to church with a mindset that you want some high. That you know, if you don't sing the right song, if you don't, if we don't, you don't have the right beat, somehow another pastor, I'm here, I've had trouble. I need a hit of the Holy Spirit. No, you're a junkie. You're an experienced junkie. God doesn't want that. You understand me? The Holy Spirit is here to walk with us every day. He would be our teacher. He's our comforter. He's our God. He isn't some I, someone I go to church and get a hit and I get an experience. The problem with that is that if you, if you start living off of your experiences, we have a tendency we try to recreate those experiences. I told Full Throttle Thursday night when I was preaching about the Holy Spirit, the first church we pastored, you 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 seen some photos there, and one of them when I had that tuxedo, we had a mass wedding at that church, and we 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 married had a had a recommitment over twenty five couples that that Sunday that we did that. But the first church I pastored, uh, they had they had just built this new building, little building, shotgun building, seat about two hundred people, basement, and they had just moved about a mile or two from the from where their old building. Was the old building had had years of experience of, of revivals and the Holy Spirit working? They had in the old building a Holy Ghost corner. True story. This was where if you wanted the Holy Spirit, you come to this corner and you knelt down here and we would pray for you. And this is where it happens. And they believed in the Holy Ghost corner. They believed in. They had confined the Holy Spirit to a place and a position in that building. So when they built this new building, they moved into this building. And Sunday night revivals services used to be big nights at church. You'd have Sunday night, Sunday morning was for believers, Sunday night, you know, sinners would come and buildings would pack out years ago, Pentecostal churches, and we would, I mean, count, they would sing for an hour, you know, way before praise and worship, man, we was worshiping in Pentecost. And Sunday nights in the old building was Holy Ghost night. And they had built this new building and they wasn't having the experience that they felt like they should have. And they all said, it's because we left the Holy Ghost in the corner of the old building. I'm telling the true story. So they set up on a, on, a, on a Saturday and they made a parade and they went to that Holy Ghost corner and they surrounded the corner and as if they were carrying the ark, they tried to walk for a mile and a half and bring the Holy Spirit and reposition him in the new building. But the problem was, it didn't work. It wasn't the building. It was the hearts and minds of people that were there that had changed since they were in that bigger, nicer facility. And I'm not telling you anything. When I came there, it was like, Pastor Phil, we got to get us a Holy Ghost corner. We got somehow or another, we, we, we would pray. We would have prayer meetings. And I had some precious pray me, pray, praying ladies at that church. And some of you watching online, your, your parents, your grandparents come to that church. And listen, by, by no means am I trying to make like or make fun. All I'm just simply saying, when we try to live on an experience, you try to constantly recreate that experience. And you become an experienced junkie. And and if you don't have the experience and somehow or another, you feel like that you no longer have the Holy Spirit. That makes sense? We don't want experienced junkies at this place. But neither, let me say this, do I want to have experienced rejectors. You see, because the problem gets in that we want to, we, we want to simply go from one extreme to the other. And instead of us thinking that the Holy Spirit is like a genie in a bottle that we rub and we rub, we sing that song, we sing that song, we do it again, we do it again, we walk around, we do all that, you know. It's like the wall of the Jericho march that people used to do. Listen, the problem is that somehow or another we start trying to recreate that, but then we say, well, that, that isn't where we should be. We move, move all the way over here and we become experienced rejectors. I don't want, I, Pastor Phil, last thing I want to do is have anything weird happening to me. Come on. I sure don't want to raise my hand all of a sudden here. Woo! Oh, no. Lord Jesus, don't let that happen to me. 
you know. And we become experienced, yeah, and we almost become afraid that somehow or another that the Holy Spirit, when he begins to work in, 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 inside our hearts and our lives, that somehow or another he's going to do something in our lives that we don't want done. And let me, let me just let me tell you right now, he doesn't work that way. You understand me? Now, I grew up in, in Pentecostal. I grew up where we used to be accused of having buzzers in our hands. Buzzers, you know, you ever remember those old trick buzzers? You would, you would, ha- you know, kids. We used to get them, and you, 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 you shake hands with somebody, and it buzzed you, it shocked you, it more scared you more than anything. We used to be accused when you come to that Pentecostal church, they got buzzers, and they'll lay hands on you, and they'll buzz you, and you'll be shocked. I would to God I could get a buzzer that would move some of you. I promise you. I promise. I wouldn't wait till you come up here. I'd come right back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it ain't it. But listen, write this down. We can receive the Holy Spirit by laying on of hands. Scripture records that the early church helped believers receive the Holy Spirit, oftentimes by simply laying hands on them to help them many, many times just grow and, and just putting our faith. Matter of fact, in Hebrews 6 and 1, Paul, Paul, Paul writing Hebrews, he said, listen, you need to lay aside the elementary principles of Christianity and laying on of hands was an elementary principle that they used back during that day. Paul used it to stir up the gift of God in 2 Timothy chapter uh, chapter 1, or 2 Timothy uh, 1 and, and 6. And in Acts 8 and 18, uh, there was a saucer by the name of Simon. He saw Peter laying hands on people, and they got to receiving the Holy Spirit. And he offered Peter money. He said, man, give me some of that power. So listen. Laying over hands can help us, but listen, listen to me very, listen, me laying my hands on you, I can't give you anything you don't want. Nobody can give you anything you don't want. We can't make you receive the Holy Spirit. So just relax. Don't worry about the times of season that we end. It's not about when. It's about what are we supposed to be doing. And Jesus said, listen, I want you to be witnesses of me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the most parts of the earth. And you have to understand the way you're going to do that is through the being clothed and have extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit. So fourthly, we understand how the Holy Spirit acts. This is the biggest thing here. And again, please, please don't email me and Listen, I'm not, I'm not dealing with every work and power of the Holy Spirit. Understand, I can't do it in one message. But the Bible says in Acts 2, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Listen, there, there, there are some Christians that, that don't want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because, listen, of either their ignorance or maybe they're just unbelief or whatever because they say, listen, Pastor Phil, I do not want to speak in tongues. They said that speaking in the tongues is weird. Listen, can I tell you what's got us in more trouble? It isn't the unknown tongue. It's the known tongue. Oh, my goodness. I've done gone meddling now, didn't I? The unknown tongue isn't near as deadly to most people than the known tongue. By the words of your mouth, you're blessed or you're cursed. But there are people that says, you know, Pastor Phil, and I've had them say, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm, I, want, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I know I need to be a witness of the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I speak in tongues, God's got to make me speak with tongues. And can I just tell you, that's not how it's going to work. The Bible said, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit of God gave out. The Holy Spirit still uses your mouth and your lungs and your tongue and your voice to speak. You understand that? You're going, you may speak in a different language. You may, use, you may use verbiage that you don't understand, and that's okay. The Bible teaches us that when we're speaking in tongues, we're speaking in the Spirit. This is God's language. It's not man's language. We're speaking unto God. And number five, reject the fear of receiving the Holy Spirit. Again, here's the biggie. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. Here's the biggie. 
Again, Dr. Luke says this in Luke 11. He said, if, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? What, what's, the, what's the parody here that he gives here? Or if he asks a fish, will, will you for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Well, the answer to everybody in this house is, are you kidding me? That's stupid. Your, your, your kids doesn't ask for bread and you give them a rock or they ask for a fish and you give them a serpent or they ask for an egg and you give them a scorpion. That's, that's ridiculous. And, and Dr. Luke said, if you then, being evil, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't isn't about making you weird or getting you to do something unbiblical. So stop fearing that somehow or another, if you ask God for the Holy Spirit, that somehow or another you're going to get a wrong spirit or an evil spirit. God doesn't play tricks on his kids. You follow me? Again, what's the number one prerequisite to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Is you, you have to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You've already confessed your sin. Jesus Christ is your Lord. You're in his family. You're part of his, kin, his kingdom. You're one of his family members. And God isn't going to say, oh, Phil's asked for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, watch this, angels. Watch, watch what I'm going to give. No, he doesn't do that. Put away your fears. Some, some of you have them because... Of, of incorrect teaching that you've been taught about that. Number six, receive the Holy Spirit. So God who knows the heart, acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us. It's about opening our mouth wide and just, and just breathing in as deeply as possible and telling God, say, God, I, I, I will need the Holy Spirit. I want to be a witness. I, I don't want to be an advocate of your Holy Spirit. I just don't want to have head knowledge about the Holy Spirit. I want to have my own experience. I want to be able to operate in this broken world in a power that's greater than me. And then number seven as you progress in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you keep praying in tongues to activate the Holy Spirit. Jude said that we build up ourselves on our most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. So as we start cooperating with the Holy Spirit and, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to move in our lives and we start developing a language, sometimes it's just a few words or a few syllables, Sometimes it's, 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 it's some things that it seems like a word, but you're not quite sure. Don't worry about all of that. Again, tongues is God's language. You're not talking to nobody else. But once you receive that language, that heavenly language, what do you do? You pray, Listen, I pray in the Spirit every day. I, I, I talk in the Spirit every day, every, every most several times a day. I'm just, I'm, there's times when I'm praying about things that I don't know what to pray about. I don't, know, I don't know what I'm really up against. I don't know what the battle is. Romans 8 said the Holy Spirit starts making intercession for me. And through the Holy Spirit, I just, I just yield myself to the Holy Spirit, and I just start speaking in that heavenly language. And listen, when, when you and I do that, we build ourselves up. I don't, I don't talk in tongue the way today that I did 40 years ago, 50 years ago. I've developed a language just like an English language. Despite what some of you think, I have developed an English language. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I got me some education. But that's the way it is, the Holy Spirit. Listen, I, 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 I preach this to you today simply because I know we're in a time and a culture that many of us are caught right where their disciples was. They were so caught up in timing. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the time. It's about what are we supposed to be doing? How can we be witnesses in this world? How can we be effective men and women of God in this broken world as a church 
unless we're operating in the power and the Spirit of God. Can we have church without the Holy? Yeah, we, we can be a good social club. We can raise a little money. We, we can send some missionaries to, to, you know, to the overseas. We, we can have a clothing drive. Listen, we can do a lot of good humanitarian things without the Holy Spirit. But can we do kingdom work without the Holy Spirit? I submit to you, we cannot. I submit to you, we need heavenly power flowing through our lives. And listen, I, I want to challenge you this morning as we get ready to close in all of our campuses. It's just read the scriptures for yourself and see what, when Paul is dealing with it in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's talking about two issues. He's talking about control and cooperation. When a person is drunk with wine, they're totally under the influence. Or they, they're totally under the control of alcohol. We understand that. When you and I are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, all we're simply doing is submitting and yielding our control to Him. We're saying, God, I want to open my mouth. I want to drink all the Holy Spirit, and I want to have him full control. And the way you have control is you do one thing. You just simply cooperate. A person doesn't get drunk with their mouth shut. Okay? You don't see a guy bailing up at the bar with, with trying to pour liquor in his mouth with his lips. You know what he's doing? He's cooperating. <laughs> Come on. What's he doing? He's opening the heart. He's, he's, he's sliding that glass. Hit me again. Hit me again. I, I don't say that by experience. I'm just telling you what. I watch TV. But we, we know what they're doing. They're, 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 they're cooperating with the moment of that control of that alcohol. That's all God asks us to do with the Holy Spirit. Come on, I want you to stand. Right? Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.